take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. Welcome back to another episode of Field Preachers Podcast. I'm Paul Nixon. And I'm Beth Estock. And Beth, I can't believe it's been a year. That wow. We've and we've, we have met some really amazing human beings um, in these conversations. We thought today, as sort of an end cap on the year, as Advent bleeds into Christmas and we look into a new year, um, we thought we might just have a conversation with one another. Yes. There's some stuff going on, Beth. There is a lot of stuff going on, Paul. And I know as well as you that uh, the kind of work that we do, uh, our work is really to support pastors, to support innovators, to support people on the front lines of creating faith community. And um, I don't know about you, but, but my heart is breaking right now for people that are on the front lines and all the stress that they're feeling. Indeed, I have not seen this kind of stress since I started doing this work 20 plus years ago. And for those of our listeners that don't know the kind of work that Beth and I do together and separately, we coach leaders and we talk to lots and lots of people, especially people that are leading in high stress situations or people that are stepping up into challenging opportunities, and a lot of pioneers doing new things, in both here and abroad. And we know that these past uh, two years with the advent of COVID and all of the uncertainties of what, what one does when you're starting something new, or if you are um, in an existing uh, faith community, it has been extremely stressful. But there's been this sense that, okay, um, we can bounce back. We know how to be resilient, um, and um, yeah, we 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 can weather we can weather this storm. But here we are, two years into it, and starting to see um, the results of maybe coming back to uh, live in person worship and experiences. And there's a whole new world that's unfolding. That is another huge stress point for pastors. Indeed. And of course, everybody is aware that a lot of people haven't made it back in this um, great return Mm -hmm. to physical facilities. And people are sort of all over the place out there. There is this term that is used, um, the great resignation. Right. And we're seeing a lot of people thinking about um, their their resignation or their retirement, you know, in ministry. But this is a global phenomenon. It's not just American. It's a lot of people have had time to sort of think, and especially where they signed on to an industry that has changed significantly, or the working conditions are just not worth the stress. A lot of people are doing a deep rethink. Yeah, I've, I've heard that through people that I'm coaching. They're um, considering taking early retirement. Some of them are asking me about, um, you know, other ways that they could serve and um, fulfill their call, but not in parish ministry. Um, so there's this great resignation of our church leaders. There's also a great resignation of uh, parishioners who are feeling exhausted and stressed out and in and overwhelm. And so they're not they're saying, no, I don't want to serve on a committee or on a team anymore. 
And that is just another stress point for pastors. You and I were in a very interesting meeting with a group of parents in one United Methodist congregation that were just at their breaking point, having been through this particular group of parents, they had been through working at home in in the dining room and the kids were on the kitchen table going to school and they had done this for over a year and they were just at their wits end. Yeah. And I, and I sensed in that conversation, Paul, that it's not, it's that plus there's this sense of feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. about not being able to do what they could have done two years previous. And they're beginning to question their own capacities, which is the, which is another spiral into a sense of guilt and shame that's hard to uh, work your way out of. And many of those parents really wanted to be back at church, but it just wasn't possible. It just wasn't working. It just wasn't time. Right. And, um, well, you recently created a survey that I wanted to ask about. I think you got over 40 pastors that responded to your survey. Mm -hmm. What was your survey about? What what were you thinking when you took this? Well, I was really um, based on what I had been hearing through my coaching. Um, I was just really curious about um, what are the, the sources of struggle that pastors are experiencing right now? So the first question on my survey was, and I'm going to read it to you. What do you struggle with most when it comes to leading your congregation? And um, frankly, I was surprised at number one, how quickly people wanted to answer this survey, how many responses I got in in a short period of time and what they said. So I just want to read you some of the responses, if that's okay, Paul. So uh, one is finding leaders. Uh, We're having to do more with less volunteers. There's leader and staff anxiety. There's staff stress. Um, There's a lack of attendance and commitment. There's a lack of resources. People are stepping away from leadership. So there's all this stuff about, you know, um, coming back into the building and there's just not as many resources. And then here's the next level. Um, Having to manage unspoken expectation. I'm exhausted. I'm feeling pressure. I have no energy to innovate. Um, I'm depressed. And I'm seeing other people being depressed. I'm exhausted from having too many decisions to make. I can't find my motivation anymore. Um, I'm trying to be this non-anxious presence in the midst of tremendous anxiety. I'm trying to manage emotional processes of grief and trauma in every interaction, event, and meeting. And people are angry about everything. There's criticisms of decisions that are made to keep everybody safe and healthy. So these leaders are navigating so much stuff. And then on top of that, they're questioning and this sense of overwhelm. What do I address first? What do I focus on first? Um, I've lost my confidence in order to know what to do next. Um, I hear that a lot. I hear very talented people who used to sort of knew the drill in terms of what they did in whatever their ministry world was. And I hear a lot of people that have really lost their confidence. In this and world. I think, Paul, part of that is this sense of coming back from, well, I guess trying to trying to come back from this, this uh, episode of COVID. Um, they're realizing that, wow, attendance is down by half. Uh, resources, finances are down. Um, this is this is really new territory. 
I don't know what to do with this. This is not what I signed up for. We, we do know that you can preach three times. <laughs> you know, you split your crowds and nobody, so it's not crowded and you preach twice on Sunday where you used to preach once and then you do it again online and then you do lots of editing and you're up all night long or you have both. And, but if our energy is collapsing and our volunteers' energy is collapsing, when we're trying to expand our, either the practices of what we were doing or to expand our paradigm, that's, that can be overwhelming to keep juggling what we're doing, taking more work to do it and fewer people, plus trying to do a new thing because a lot of our folks sense this isn't working and they know they need to be right. doing something new. It, it's quite a lot. Right. And, and then you have the fact that maybe during the first year of COVID, you got a loan from the a PPP loan from the government. And then you're looking at 2022 and it's like, how are we going to finance ministry this year? I've heard that more than once. It's run out. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a part of, with any situation that hits a, a, a whole group of churches, there are different contexts for every church, different regions of the country, different um, median age, um, different dynamics that are just playing out in different places. There's churches that have been dealing with decline or with conflict for a while and churches that weren't dealing with that. And they may have had more pent up energy ready to sort of push on through this. But what I also see discouraging folks is that some churches for whatever reason are pulling it off, at least for now, you know, and they're not dealing with the same losses of money and they may have, they may have pivoted and they're doing some new things. And I'm just feeling really deflated because I can't gin it up in my place to do what they're doing, even though I used to be pretty good at what I was doing. Well, and I think part of this has to do with where people find themselves in the life cycle of a, of an organization. Boy, isn't that the truth? And when we compare organizations or churches in this case, we're comparing apples and oranges a lot of the time, mm-hmm. both in terms of life cycle and in terms of the cultural context where our churches are operating. Mm-hmm. They're just in di- very different spaces, different regions of the country, different populations that they serve. It's, um, but it's easy to compare to that church that's pulling it off somehow, some way. And, and, and when you're feeling like, I just don't know how we're going to do Well, and I just want our listeners to be aware that the churches that are pulling it off are few and far between. They are. They are. And and so if you uh, out there listening have found yourself in any of those responses that I just read, um, you are in good company. And the other thing I want to share is that, um, you know, a lot of times in the church, we have this this, uh, belief that. Um, if we are going through these struggles, if we are experiencing exaggerated conflict, if we are feeling depressed, yada, 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 somehow as a leader, it's our fault. And um, I just wanted to spell that right now. It's not your fault that COVID happened. It's not your fault that people are traumatized and stressed out and playing that stressed out, stressed outness in the organization that you lead. This is reality right now. It's so not your we, fault that you were called to ministry like the year before Christendom collapsed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've been trying to do that all the way through now. And it just gets crazier and harder all the time because we're still pulling over a lot of old paradigms that um, are not connecting 
And, and we didn't create the paradigms. We signed on to do this work within a certain understanding. And um, we know that, that it's, um, this is the moment that we, that we drew when we drew the card off the top of the deck. This is, this is the moment we live. And it's not like other moments. And normally, if we were not uh, dealing with a pandemic, we might be, have a little bit more resiliency to say, okay, I, I want to play in this playground. I have the energy to create and think about new things. But right now, our leaders are in survival mode as the organizations they serve are as well. It's interesting when we talk about the churches that are pulling it off, I use that term, um, the churches that were pulling it off, many of them were starting new campuses, starting up new ministries, new worship services. That has come almost to a screeching halt. Um, and that's one of the, one of the things I've observed is, is that even very large, powerful, well-financed organizations have almost um, come to a stop in terms of of pushing through and trying to keep replicating what they were doing. And um, so everybody's dealing with this at every, at almost every zip code. Yeah. So for me, um, kind of the message that I would like church leaders to embrace is um, that through this time, the first thing that they need to do is put their own oxygen mask on Good. and take care of themselves. Um, and our natural instinct is to push forward and to do more and more and more. And right now is a season, um, we're in Advent right now, and it's a time of waiting. It's a time for preparing. And how can we take this time for ourselves in the midst of all the busyness of Christmas, and then it will be Epiphany, um, to, to take that turn and, and care for ourselves. So if you don't mind, Paul, I'd like to kind of just share a little bit of um, what I've been learning about um, our central nervous systems and how stress gets played out. Very cool. Okay. So, um, you know, as homo sapiens, all of us as homo sapiens, uh, the way that we have survived through all of these thousands of years is that we are naturally inclined to always be looking for whether or not we're safe. And we look for that safety in three primary ways. Our central nervous system does. We check in with our bodies. We look at our environment and we also look at our relationships. So right now we have a storm of unsafety in our world. We have COVID. We have polarization, which is a sign of unsafety. And it's, um, and, and it's a, um, it's a negative spiral that keeps feeding upon itself, this sense of unsafety. And in our relationships, when people are anxious, what happens is um, we move into survival instinct, which is fighting, running away, or freezing. So we have much more conflict in the organizations that we're leading because people are, all of us are stressed out and in this sense of feeling unsafe. So, um, so that's why we're getting much more conflict in these churches and pastors are feeling that they are um, kind of the punching board of all of this internalized conflict. And it gets played out with masks or no masks, no vaccines, no vaccines, 
I mean, in all these, and it, and, and it's the church that's kind of the big um, epicenter of all of that. You have well, anything not, to say about that, Paul? I would say um, school administrators are living with it too. But it's, yes. We're, we are a part of a larger um, story. And I think a lot of industries are dealing with stress as the public are dealing with the same kind of stress. And, but I think that's really, really interesting um, what you're sharing here, that this is, um, this is a pretty natural response to what's going on. Right. And the thing is that we can't think or will our way out of stress because it's a central nervous system response and it's a survival instinct. And we can't tell our central nervous system to not want to move into those survival instincts when we are feeling threatened. So um, there's, there's, there's a kind of a counterintuitive move that we can make as leaders to help us um, put our own oxygen masks on so that we can lead and hopefully lead our congregations or at least understand the people showing up in our congregations uh, with a sense of compassion instead of feeling like we have to always be defensive. So I'd like to share what some of yeah, those are. Please. So <clears throat> the first thing I want to say is um, we have to understand that we operate in Christian community with this myth that does not serve us. And that myth is to be Christian is to not show uncomfortable emotions. And um, as church leaders, conflict is a sign of poor leadership. So we just have to understand that those are um, myths that do not serve us well. And the, the way toward renewal, the way toward health is to actually um, open up to those uncomfortable emotions and name them and talk about them. So um, that is one way that our body can complete that stress cycle so we can come back into a sense of self-regulation in our central nervous system. So one- this, is, this, this was helpful information before COVID hit because conflict has been on the increase in our churches for a number of reasons in local churches, um, right. not denominational stuff. But the, the tension's been rising in a lot of places, the sense of frustration um, that people um, live out and sometimes articulate and sometimes not. That's been going on for a while. This is just another layer. Right. And, you know, we can discern what is holy agitation and what is just simply activated stress. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully as leaders, we can be begin to discern that after we put our own oxygen mask on first. Um, so let's talk about that oxygen. One of the very simplest ways that you as a leader can... Um, can find your own sense of calm in the midst of all this is through your breath. There is a nerve called the vagus nerve that connects our brains to all of um, the organs in our body. And actually it's our body um, because of that vagus nerve connection. It's our body that sends the information to our brain. Is that, is that vagus as in loss vagus? Uh, no, it's spelled differently. It is spelled V-A-G-U-S. Okay, very good. But it's connected to the lungs, the hearts, the spleen, the kidney, the stomach, the liver, um, you know, all of our internal organs. And it's 
80% of the information that, that our brain gets is actually from our bodies. So again, in order to calm ourselves down, we need to um, be able to calm that vagus, central vagus nerve down. And so we can do that very simply through breath. Um, so right now, Paul, I want you to join me in this. This is so easy. We can do this wherever we are, sitting at our desk, driving in the car. We just take a nice big inhale into our bellies, feeling the front and the back sides of our bellies expanding, feeling the right and the left side like we're blowing up a balloon in our bellies. And then on the exhale, we squeeze all of that air back into our spinal column and just Hold that squeeze as long as possible. And then we gently let that squeeze go and we breathe normally. If we did that one or two or three times, we would notice a, a, a shift of coming back into our bodies, coming back into a sense of calm because we've just told that vagus nerve, okay, we're okay. We, we, can, we can refocus again. Did and you of course, shift? I did. I sensed it. And, uh, and many of us have been doing uh, intentional breathing in preparation or in conjunction with prayer for some time now. And it makes, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's, that's a part, it just makes a lot of sense. So before a meeting, you know, before you get out of your car, going in your office, after you leave your office, before you go home, before you go to bed, just a nice Big breath in and a relaxing exhale out can do wonders to bring us back to a sense of calm and focused state. Um, the, the second thing is positive social interaction. You know, a lot of uh, the work that we do in a church is not positive social interaction anymore, unfortunately. So we need to find those people in our life that we can have a positive social interaction with. And be intentional about making that phone call or going to coffee, you know, having a good laugh with somebody. Um, laughter is so key to our mm-hmm. own health and healing, you know. And if we can't find somebody to laugh with, put on a movie that you can laugh with, something that will make you laugh. Um, uh, another thing is just a warm hug. Um, if we hugged somebody, for 20 seconds, our central nervous systems would calm down. A 20 second hug. Now, I know you can't, you know, in this day and age, we can't go around hugging people for 20 seconds, but hopefully there's somebody in your life that you will have permission to hug for 20 seconds. <laughs> and I know in my own life, a lot of times in the morning, I tell my husband, Okay, we're get, we're doing a 20 second hug this morning, honey. It's going to be a long day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, creative self-expression is another one, you know, art, just writing poetry, just doing something creatively um, is another way that we can kind of come back to our grounded, focused capable, resilient selves. So when we think about um, stress, stress is a part of life. You know, we need stress in order to activate. We need those survival instincts in order to, to make a move. Mm-hmm. But it's that in this time, what we're, what's happening is we're getting stuck in those stress cycles 
And we don't have the capacity to come back to this sense of wellness and calmness. So it's those kinds of activities that will help us come back to that, as they say in, um, in brain science, regulated states. That's what I have, Paul. Well, you know, so many of the practices you talk about intuitively, various ones of us, we've, we have found, we have found them along the ways we, we, we may never have thought about the, um, um, the body side, the physical, um, chemistry and, and, and piece of all of that. But, 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 but we are not strangers to many of these practices. And at various times, different ones of them have been very important to us. So part of what I hear you calling us to is to reclaim some of these practices that we have discovered here and there and maybe add a new one. Yeah. And to be intentional about it, we need these practices more than ever. And instead of, you know, beating ourselves up for um, not being, um, you know, all that we all that we were two years ago before this pandemic, um, you know, being in a phase of overwhelm and exhaustion and fatigue, instead of pushing ourselves forward and beating ourselves up and feeling shame for all of that, let's take that as a sign, you know, as, okay, it's time for us to care for ourselves. It's time to do some intentional work to just be good to our own incarnation as God's beloved. I tell leaders all the time, you are the greatest gift to your organization. And the best thing you can do for your organization is to take care of yourself. And that's a message that a lot of our leaders never get. We have, all of us, some big decisions that will be coming to us in 2022. Um, As the pandemic does abate, some of those decisions are going to be career decisions as to whether or not people choose to re-up and to stick with um, pastoral ministry or in the, in the way they're doing it or to change tracks. But that's a big decision. I think it would be good if we took care of ourselves and got to a, um, a healthy and thriving place before we tackled that decision rather than to be making that decision in a state of siege. Well, actually, we can't. There, um, we don't have the brain capacity to do that because when we are in this state of stress, we do not have um, we do not have the pathway to um, our resourceful, creative states. There is no uh, sense for wonderment and curiosity when we are just trying to survive. It it's shut off. Our vagus nervous shut all that off, and we are we're just really surviving. we really are frozen. Then and we are frozen at that point, yeah. right? And and if you try to force a decision when you're in that space, it's it's often going to be a decision that you're not going to be happy happy with. Yeah, I would probably say 100% of the time, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have some big, but we, we're going to have some big decisions to make. And we, we need to be well enough to face that. And honestly, there's no, there's no house on fire urgency that we have to be tending to that's more important than tending to ourselves. The church is of God will exist at the end of the time, something like that they said at ordination. It's true. And it's going to still be here 90 days from now. And if we would take some good time around this new year to, uh, to be kind to ourselves. Yeah, I went to, I, uh, went to Handel's Messiah yesterday with my Oh, mom. what a wonderful thing to do. And, you know, the first, the first beautiful piece is this 
tenor solo um, of, of, you know, uh, the, the, the passage of making the rough places plain and, and the valleys being lifted up. And I couldn't help but thinking when I was listening to that of the times such as these where we feel like we're in a rough place and that we're in a valley. Um, and what would it be like for us to, um, to take that Advent message and to say, yeah, we're going through rough times. Yes, we're in this valley. And it's, it's our call right now to, um, to step into that hopeful place of making the rough places plain. And we do that through our own self-care. We do that through our own incarnation of love being made manifest. I read that text Sunday in worship. Um, Advent texts are fantastic. They're mm-hmm. just some of the best texts. And I'm not sure, even though Christmas is coming and, and the, um, the Christian year just keeps moving, I'm not sure we're going to be fully done with Advent when Advent is over this year. I think there is a sense in which the liminal space we need may not this time around correspond with the liturgical drumbeat of Christmas, Epiphany, Easter, got to keep it moving. We may need a little to, to sort of dawdle in Advent personally. Um, yeah, it's kind of like movement. a new depth of it, isn't it? Because people, leaders have been saying for these past two years, we're in liminal, we're in the unknowing. And this is another layer of that unknowing because there was an unknowing of, okay, COVID, mask, no mask. Do we have online worship? No online. You know, there was that. How, how long will we be out for a building? And now there's this coming back to this unknowing of, oh my gosh, church has shifted. Um, we're not going to go back uh, to what was, and we don't know what will be yet. So. Um, Again, this sense of um, we need to take care of ourselves during this season. Well, for all of us who are in ministry, and we could probably add many, many other professions to this, this is not what we signed up for. No. And that's okay, but there will be um, some things to be pondered in the future in terms of whether we want to sign on for the new challenge. But I remember once I was dealing with um, a mild depression and someone very wise said to me, um, why don't you wait a few months before making any big decision about whether you're up for the next part of the journey? Because um, you might have a lot more energy then and um, it's going to look very different after you take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Beth, for sharing what you've been um, learning and applying um, as you have as you coach wonderful um, human beings around the, around the country and beyond. Um, as I would close, I would just say, these are very challenging times, but I have never worked with more lovely human beings than the assortment of people that came into my life during the year 2021. Working in ridiculous <laughs> challenges um, crazy situations, trying things that utterly did not work, and yet just um, really, really amazing population of people. And you just can't measure the value and the talent and the beauty of the people who are serving in ministry during this leg of our journey by um, in the ways that you could um, five years ago. And a lot of our metrics are just not 
at all telling us what's really going on and telling us how beautiful and creative um, God's servants are. Yeah. And there's this sense if we, you know, if we took the, the 5,000 foot view on all of this, that um, God is doing a new thing. And it's, um, you know, in the beginning, God created out of chaos. God created out of the liminal. Um, God, God is, God does God's best work when we are not in the driver's seat. And um, this, this is a beautiful opportunity to trust in the disintegration of what is and to listen for and pay attention to the energy of the Holy Spirit that invites us uh, in a different way. If we had more time, we could consider this in terms of the metaphor of childbirth, but maybe another um, another conversation. But um, Beth, a blessed Advent and Christmas and New Year to you. And to you, Paul. And I so look forward to next year and uh, continuing this podcast with you. Absolutely. Friends, um, we wish you the, the best. Slow down. Be gracious to yourself. Um, live the gospel um, in these um, liminal days, and we'll see you in 2022. This is Field Preachers Podcast, a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.